Uh, from a piss couch to a crumpled up futon, it's the Legends Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I got Dylan and Noah, aka Quality Autism, and aka John Sadler. No one knows that reference anymore. <laughs> no one even knows who the original John Sadler was anymore. It's you. It's you. <laughs> Maybe he still watches these because he used to watch no, all of these these he podcasts. Hates me, he probably. Hates, I remember Tristan or someone messaged me and said, "John Sadler really doesn't like you talking about him." <laughs> I couldn't even tell you what John Sadler actually sounds like anymore. I have to. I have to listen to Binox Nest again. Yeah, the like the for the two episodes he was on. Well, one of them I was on. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. 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 Minox uh, 19 and 19 and a half. Oh, on, that's right. <laughs> he's on that one. The, the wor- Literally the worst, worst podcast I've ever been on in my entire life. Uh, it was great. What are you talking about? It was quality content. I mean, it, it, it was terrible for everyone that was actually on the podcast, but to listen to it, it was fantastic. I had to, I edited God knows what out of there. Rest in peace, Tim, but he made it so fucking difficult to edit. There were so many bad jokes, like just mean-spirited, awful things that I had to edit from him and Tristan. Oh, it took forever for it to even come out. And then we did one with me complaining about those episodes. And then it didn't come out for like a year. And then Tristan banned me from Minox Nest. Although I still have access to the Minox Nest YouTube channel. FYI. I'm still a host of Minox Nest. Just just saying. <laughs> so I was the only one who would fucking edit for them. Well, hey, we still have this podcast that we do once every 10 years. Are you clipping your fingernails, Dylan? What? No. Oh no, it's my cat. I thought you were clipping your fingernails and I was about to yell at you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, where's my coin? Where's the coin? Get out of here. <laughs> oh my god, we have Matt Wilkins in shit. Oh yeah, he he says we should do a Minox S podcast. Jacob Aris says, What's up, boys? Oh, what's up, dude? We're here. We're here. To talk about collecting talk about collecting as you can see here my lovely ya and digest comic collection i got all sorts of crap in here it's mostly star wars now because the cats mainly cleo our kitten like to make biscuits on my new jedi order books Mm. and i'm like i either got to throw her outside or I'm going to have to move things around. So I had to basically move my shelves around so I don't have all my... I don't have a complete Star Wars shelf anymore. Ah. I had to move all my big books so she couldn't climb on top of the the books to hide from the other cat. So that was, that was my thing. So I think we just go around. Noah has a weird time collecting because he lives in Germany. And not everything got printed in German. Mm-hmm. So he's got all sorts of weird things. 
there that are going to be different than how I collected and how Dylan collected. Uh, Dylan, as I recall, you mainly stuck with paper, mass market paperbacks. Yes, I did that because they were cheap and I could get everything. And you uh, could buy Legos. That yes. could be did that. But now, uh, I eventually want to try to get into hardcover collecting, but I don't have the shelf for it. It's, it's too, hardcover collecting is a pain, especially yes. now. Especially post Rise of Skywalker, it is really difficult to collect hardcovers, especially the, uh, um, ooh, what are they called? Uh, the book club size hardcovers. Those are getting scarce. <coughs> Sorry, I'm getting over COVID too. I had COVID for like a week and a death in the family. It's been a real wild time. But yeah, um, I'll start. So my big thing, I had to basically collect my collection twice. Mm -hmm. So I got better at it the second time. Um, my, my big tips are this. Buy lots. Even if things are duplicates, buy them, especially when it comes to YA stuff, because YA stuff is almost always annihilated. If you're lucky, you can get, like, let's see here. I got this Last of the Jedi, and this is pristine. This was Ooh. never read. You don't often find them like that. Well, you find Last of the Jedi like this, but any Jedi apprentice... Junior Jedi Knights, things like that, where they were like big series when they came out. Well, I'll just put that there. Um, they tend to be beaten up. Galaxy of Fear, that's like the primary mm -hmm. one where the those are so old and they're annihilated. Typically, I have my Galaxy of Fear is pretty beaten up. Um, library books, if you can go to any sort of library sale. Those are great. You get like interesting variants. I'm going to. I should have prepped for this. You get things like this one, like this. This is one of the Clone Wars, Filoni Clone Wars digest size comics, but it's in a library binding. And I have several of these now. Um, they're fun to grab when you can get them. Typically, I recommend going to a library sale for it because there'll be a good deal there. Online, these can be pretty expensive because these were only made primarily for elementary school libraries. But you can find them in public libraries too. And these these are nice. I know that um, a lot of there's several of these clone, Filoni Clone Wars. Digest sizes ended up in these, as well as I've seen... I have one of the Clone Wars Adventures. I can't reach it right now. Uh, in this this binding, I've seen X the X-Wing book series in this binding. Uh, some of the Boba Fett YA stuff I've seen in this binding, too. Uh, the first six Galaxy of Fear. And... The Clone Wars Secret Missions. 
I've seen all those that way. I don't have them all like that because that's that can get pretty expensive. Like if you're on eBay and getting these, typically, unless so, the buyer doesn't know what they have, they get expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recommend these over, if you can get them over uh, like the Scholastic paperbacks because Scholastic paperbacks typically are falling apart. Also, um, if you're going for book club size hardcovers, those are harder to get than right, standard size hardcovers like the Delray ones. Especially because a lot of the book club stuff was only ever printed in hardcover through the book club. So like your Coruscant Knights, your Jedi Academy, Last of the Jedi. Actually, not Last of the Jedi, The Last Jedi. The Michael Reeves book, not the, the film. Um, Shadow Games, Scourge, Black Fleet Crisis, Corellian Trilogy, most of New Jedi Order. In fact, most of Legacy of the Force. They were only printed in hardcover in the book club sizes. So what I did with those is I actually befriended a guy on eBay and he sold me most of his collection at once. It's hard to do. I had a bunch of insurance money. And he gave me a lightsaber on top of it. But like, if you often shop, because I I typically sell, I had a lot of duplicates from rebuilding my collection. I've been selling them on eBay. A lot of times when you're on eBay, you can build up a, a rapport with a, uh, with people you're selling to or you're buying from mm-hmm. and then you can get deals that way mm-hmm. just don't be a turd about it you know and just just be nice and uh, another big thing is what do you want to collect specifically yes it's not it's going to be a really miserable time for you if you say oh i'm going to be like matt wilkins and i'm going to collect everything I know Matt's probably going to be in and out watching this, but Matt has been collecting since Era of the Empire came out. All of his stuff he bought as it came out, with a few exceptions. Collecting like that, most people don't do that. Most people can't do that. I mean, I got a pretty solid collection, but I don't collect the little kid stuff. I may at some point, but that's that's a whole nother thing. That's something I'm not good at collecting because that's oh that those are typically colored in and just wrecked. Mm-hmm. But uh, Noah, what do you do typically for collecting? Since you got some of your stuff, you have to import. I know that. Yeah. So my. How I do it isn't really interesting. I mostly order through Amazon. Because mm-hmm. Star Wars books in Germany, in general, no one cares. Like, they get translated mostly. They get published. But <coughs> it's not like there's a giant fan base. I think I may actually be the biggest Legends book YouTuber. Which is extremely sad to think about. And, yeah, because people just don't really know about the books from the 90s because the Bantam era books never got like 
reprints really. Mm-hmm. They came out in paperback. Some of them came out in hardcover, not a lot. And I think by the 2000s, once they were like out of print, they are out of print. And they only were available in ebook format in like 2014. So, yeah. And um, the more recent stuff from the Del Rey era, like, uh, let me think, the Fate of the Jedi books, for example, or like Crucible or Mercical, they are still available, like on Amazon, for example, which is the biggest one. Um, but once they are out of stock, they're not going to get reprinted. The, I think the only books that are getting reprinted are Republic Commando, the Front Trilogy, Darth Plagueis, Darth Bane, and Kenobi. Hmm. And all the rest, gone. So is that just uh, Germany then? Or is that like all of... Because, you know, obviously Austrian parts of Switzerland also speak German and they would have German prints of these. Are you also expanding your collecting to those countries as well? I've lost all sound. You've lost all sound? Oh, dear. (laughs) Who lost sound? Did I lose sound? Did he lose sound? I think he lost sound because I can hear you now. Yeah, I can can hear both of you. Can you hear? uh, Yeah, I heard him too. Chat, help, please. (laughs) It wouldn't be a stream with me on it if there wasn't like technical difficulties. (laughs) But yeah, no, as I was saying, do you do you broaden to like all German like uh, regions of, uh, you know, Austria and uh, Switzerland as well? Do you look there? Um, for those printings or are they more or less the same pretty much i think i think they are more or less the same i haven't really looked into it i know like um for austria like the books uh, i don't have an example right now but the books um they say the price in euros and like the austrian how much it costs in austrian money so i think they sell the exact same books Mm -hmm. in austria as well and it's not like there's like big differences Mm-hmm. I would say. I, I was wondering because again, uh, Europe has gone through an interesting thing, uh, especially in recent days, with the publishers essentially losing the rights to um, publish Legends books and then them changing hands. Like I know um, France went through a bit where they weren't getting any new Legends prints until I think it was Panini bought them uh, and, and got the rights. I think it, Italy as well um, had something around that. I know there was a big scare in twenty. 16 2017 that they'd be printing um legends books anymore because that publisher i think it was arrow books uh something happened with them with the license hmm. oh. yeah this this reminds me of the comic side of things uh, but first off with the books um i do own all of the legends mass market paperbacks by delray mm-hmm. i just decided to buy them all in english because it's impossible to get them in german like the second hand copies i have some People I know who try to collect all of it in German paperback or hardcover. Extremely expensive. Mm. Especially like some of the YA stuff. That's just as as expensive in German as it is in English. Maybe even more so. There's there's something I want to pull up here that Maxwell Unash said. This is a great one to do. Um, 
his local bookstore sold the trade paperbacks at 50 cents each. That's a great way of collecting. I just did mine in hardcover, so it's a little difficult. Mm -hmm. But local bookstores, used bookstores, thrift stores. Mm -hmm. I found a few of my Star Wars books in thrift stores. Those are a good deal, especially if you get like a buy one, get one free. Yeah. Deal. Because usually places like that, like if you're buying it online, the person selling it to you, they know what it is. They know what it's worth and they're going to get what it's worth. But at not brick always. and mortar places, well, not always, obviously, but at brick and mortar, <laughs> it's usually the case that they, if you're, especially if you're going for something really rare, if you find a listing for it online, the person selling you it knows what it is. But if you're, if you find it out in the wild, as we, I think we uh, often call it in like a, in a store someplace, oftentimes they just don't know. They just have it amongst other things. So it's a really good treasure trove. Um, it, it can be, depending on how much you're driving around looking for things more expensive than um, buying it online. So there, there is that aspect you have to, um, uh, factor in as well of both your time and how much you're actually spending traveling going to all these bookstores in your area mm -hmm. to get things which a lot of people when they think of collecting they don't they don't really think of of that aspect of it and maxwell has another one i wanted to bring up because he's had contradicting things um he disagrees about buying in lots uh complete Lots of YA books tend to be more expensive. That is true. Especially if you have your like Junior Jedi Knights and Galaxy of Fear or uh, Missions and the Episode 1, Episode 2 Adventures. Mm -hmm. Those books, not the game books necessarily, but the story books for those, really expensive. Um, like, I don't, I'm missing most of Missions. And I only have one left of episode one adventures to collect and two of episode two adventures, but I'm not, sometimes you have to give yourself like a limitation. For instance, I can't bring myself to buy a single YA book for more than $15. I won't do it. Um, which collecting junior jedi knights that way was a pain <laughs> i have so I will... many duplicate ya books i've been selling because it was to get a junior jedi knight book in there or mm -hmm. a galaxy of fear book because mm -hmm. sometimes the inverse of that is sometimes you'll have sellers that are selling they just sell all sorts of kids books like they just sell whatever and they'll bundle things together like Star Wars, and it'll be like, oh, we have a couple Jedi Quest books, a couple Jedi Apprentice books, some Decide Your Destiny stuff from the clone from like TCW. Like all this stuff mixed together. And it'll even be like new canon stuff too. Mm -hmm. Like I've had several of those, and you just end up with a pile of of like a bunch of things you don't necessarily want. For instance, you're almost always, for some reason, guaranteed to have a one of the journals, the scholastic journals they did back in like the <laughs> late 90s. Because those are not worth anything at all. They're just retellings of, of like events. So I have a few of those. They do add a little EU if you're a completionist. And you're really getting into the weeds of things. 
but typically I think some of those, like the Darth Maul journal, is if in the Wrath of Darth Maul Ryder Winham book. So and they, they did some of those and those like the the life of Obi-Wan, the adventure of Luke Skywalker, there's a Darth Vader one. Those are reprints of children's stuff, like obscure children's stuff the Ryder Winham wrote. Um those are a great deal to find. Because you, you'll avoid certain things with that. Certain expensive stuff. And they do add a little extra things, I think. That weren't in the original uh, books that they're based on. But, um... I want to talk comics here as well. Because comics are a pain. <laughs> even, yeah. even, I will say this... We haven't mentioned the Essential Legends collection. It's a great way to collect the books with the the nice new size. I know Noah was complaining to me earlier today that he hates the size. I didn't get to say that like uh Red Five Reviews and Bryant's Nerd Pub, aka Adam from Paper Movies, and I really like that size. I just find hmm. it comfortable to read with it being a little bigger. I'm not a big fan of the mass market paperback. Hmm. I'm just Okay, can, can I explain this? I don't... Well, the you reason don't like because of, I know why, but you can just explain yeah, it. The reason I don't like it is because the format, <coughs> it doesn't fit in with the stuff I already own, like the mass market paperbacks. Which, by the way, when I first got those, I was also not a big fan of them, because compared to German books, they are really... I can't call it anything else, adorable. Like, they are really small, and they just feel like they're going to fall apart at any minute. And, yeah, I mean, the Essential Legends, they are nice, and the size wouldn't annoy me if the rest of my collection had the same size. That's just, you know, I want it to look uniform. Yeah, that Revenchist brings up another good point, that the mass market yes. paperbacks are, like, twice as expensive. Sorry, the trade the essential legends collections are like twice as expensive as the normal paperback. And mm -hmm. in, in for all intents and purposes, they are still paperbacks. So they're not going to have the same value as a, um, as a hardcover would, which mm -hmm. I think is another often uh, people don't think this in collecting, but collectibles actually, generally speaking, especially at the higher end, they retain their value very well. So if you ever get disinterested in the thing that you're collecting, when when you take the time to actually like actually spend on the higher quality more valuable stuff like if we're talking about books the the hardcover books when you go if you ever in the position where you go and try to sell that you will get a lot better return on that investment than you, than you would have had you have gone the cheap way like i did with star wars and getting mass market paperbacks oh yeah no i always joke with my girlfriend that it's our nest egg because I literally, I'll, I'll tell the story. For those of you who don't know, my house burned down in a wildfire here in California. And I lost all but my copy of Courtship of Princess Leia that was signed by Dave Wolferton. It's the only book I got to save. And I rebuilt my collection. But my collection, when filing, because we sued PG&E, like everyone sued PG&E, 
because they their incompetence caused a, a wildfire. Um, my Star Wars collection alone was valued at fifty thousand dollars. Like this stuff, and it just keeps going up in price. That was I didn't pay fifty thousand dollars for it. A lot of a good chunk of it was gifted to me the first time around because my parents my parents were big into collecting Bantam, and then the prequels came out and they just stopped caring. They bought a book here or there, but they just gave me their their hardcovers. Um, but I want to talk comics because, like, Dark Horse stuff, it's a pain to collect. The epic collections are great and all, but they don't stay in print. Mm -hmm. No. They are gone and, immediately. And they go for a pretty penny on eBay. I just sold Legacy Epic Collection Volume 2. For a hundred fifty dollars, I had to ship it to Canada, which is expensive. But yeah, like they don't—they're very expensive unless you're buying digitally, which we haven't talked about buying digitally. So I honestly recommend for comic collecting mm -hmm. because the omnibuses are taking forever. To come out. And those are like 125 bucks a piece retail value. Um, I have all the ones, all the EU ones, with the exception of the UK comics one, because I'm pretty sure it's in the third Marvel Years omnibus. <coughs> but I might buy it for because I want to. I haven't decided yet. I have the space for it. But, like, the omnibuses keep being pushed back. This is something I... This is one of the main reasons I wanted to do a Legends podcast. They just pushed back the New Republic Omnibus Volume 1 to January. It was supposed to come out in July. And then it was supposed to come out in September. Then it was supposed to come out in November. Now it's January. They haven't even announced any new ones, which has me a little worried. Because usually we would start seeing pre-orders up for those by now. But, like, Marvel's just pushing back all their omnibuses, and I'm not sure why. Which is... Which, when, when reading the... Um, um, with an omnibus, it can be a pain to actually read them. So I honestly double dip and I get them digitally as well. Because just for convenience sake, because you don't want to take, if your oil's getting changed, you don't want to take one of the big omnibuses to the, to, to, uh, the Valvoline. Yeah, that's, that's actually another uh, great reason, uh, reason for digital because, especially with comics, it is incredibly easy to damage them while reading them. Where, yeah. Whereas digital, it's at like my 
my take on the comics collecting is that physical collection is for the shelf and to look nice. Digital is to actually read them. Yeah. And they're good reference points. Like I pulled down my old Republic omnibus, the one with all the KOTOR comics in it, just to reference something. They're mm -hmm. great reference points. It's like the same as like a guidebook. Mm -hmm. Reading a guidebook's a pain because they're so big. Right. I talked about, in my opinion, mass pa market paperbacks. I don't like reading them because they're a little too small for me. I don't like reading the big guides unless they're like the DK guides because those are really light. But like reading an omnibus is a pain, although it's really nice to look at and page through occasionally. Because the oversized art, it's just beautiful, typically. Mm -hmm. Unless, I mean, there's some Star Wars comics where the art's trash. Mm -hmm. um, some of some of the uh, Clone Wars Digest comics have some very trash art in them. Some of the Tales comics have some really trash art. Which, that's another thing. If you're collecting Epic Collections or the Omnibuses, the Tales comics are split up in weird ways and are sprinkled throughout mm -hmm. because I'm almost certain someone who run makes epic collections watches Matt Wilkins Matt's expanded universe because mm -hmm. like not the first wave of them but afterwards they kind of follow Matt's expanded universe and how how they're sprinkled in yeah I noticed this with the epic collections for like Legacy Volume 4, which has all of the Anya Solo comic storyline. Mm -hmm. They throw in um, one Tales comic and one comic from Visionaries, which is just, which doesn't, like, no, two stories actually from, from Visionary, which don't have a story because they are pretty much just artwork. But mm -hmm. now, and this is just a little fun fact. Because uh, the Epic Collection on the back, it always says, oh, this is set here and here, these stories. Mm -hmm. Because it says, oh, these the stories in this volume take place over a hundred years after Return of the Jedi. Those two visionary stories are now canonically confirmed to take place a hundred years after the films. Yeah. Wikipedia well, actually listed them as taking place there now. It's amazing. Well, Visionaries was never supposed to be canon, but Tell Dave Filoni put North Mall and TCW, and it made it all canon. Uh, we can't go one episode without complaining about TCW. We were talking about TCW being bad before this, before we I even know. started recording. I had a whole rant, so I wouldn't have to talk about TCW <laughs> and the story, the new story group. And any of it. So let's continue talking about the comics because that's a good topic. Because, yeah, collecting comics, as you said, is painful. And when, ask me as a German, it's even worse. <laughs> yeah, when you I have that weird set where they all are numbered. Oh yeah, okay, that's that's an awesome thing. Okay, first off, a little backstory. When I started collecting Star Wars. I bought all of the Timothy Zahn books, secondhand copies, because I've heard he's the best author and I read all of his stuff. Then I was like, I enjoy this, I want to branch out. But I can't afford the rest because, it's, like I said, secondhand copies, very expensive. 
And so um, my brother's girlfriend at the time gave me her like Kindle ebook reader. And then I was like, oh, this is neat. And then I could buy the books digitally, you know. And mm. only afterwards I would get them in like the English uh, paperbacks because, you know, I want them on my shelf. Yeah. Um, but I didn't want to start collect comics at all at first because collecting them in German, impossible. Like just impossible. You can't even find secondhand copies for a lot of the stuff. Definitely not cheap. The stuff that you can find is mostly expensive. Um, but they started doing a comic collection, the publisher Panini, which Dylan mentioned uh, mm -hmm. before. And I think it started in 2016 and ran until 2020 or 2021. And I bought all of them. And that's a couple thousand euros. But it's a good. it was a good opportunity because they reprinted a lot of Dark Horse. Not all of it, but a lot. I think the only bigger stories that are missing are The Old Republic, like those cash grab tie-in comics, and Knight Errant. And a bunch of like Tales and Dawn of the Jedi is missing. And the second half of X-Wing, which was never translated into German anyway. So, But, but yeah, it's 120 hardcovers just collecting all the Dark Horse stuff because they didn't have the rights anymore for the original Marvel comics. Mm -hmm. And originally, it was going to go up until 80 hardcovers. But it was so successful, they, you know, they went until 120. And apparently, according to the people who run the Facebook page, at least, um, they weren't allowed to do any more after 120. Apparently, that was the end of the contract because they would have continued if they were allowed to. But apparently, Disney said no, hmm. which no. I want to point out. They didn't say, oh, our deal with Lucasfilm said stop at 120. They said Disney doesn't want us to continue any further. Our contract is up. And that's the same. They do the same like the epic collections where they put Tales comics just randomly in, mm -hmm. which I'm fine with here because I'm just glad to have these comics in German at all because yeah. I, they will not get reprinted, not for a very long time, maybe in ten years again. There's another hardcover set I want to talk about. It's one I don't have. I used to have one of them, but I don't have any of them anymore because they're kind of expensive. Which are the 30th anniversary Dark Horse Star Wars hardcovers. And they, it was just a selection of different Star Wars stories, starting with the Frida Nad Uprising and ending with Legacy Volume 1 Broken. And it's just a selection throughout. Like you had Splinter of the Mind's Eye, Boba Fett Death Lies and Treachery, the Django Fett and Zam Wessel comics. Um, a couple of the Republic comics were thrown in. Jedi versus Sith, Darth Maul, the original Darth Maul miniseries. Um, I'm trying. Crimson Empire was in there. Like those, they look really cool, but they're typically pretty expensive. Especially the ones that haven't been put in epic collections yet. 
Another one that's become pretty expensive are the old Dark Horse paperback omnibuses of Star Wars comics. Which I have a couple of them. I have Tales of the Jedi that way. But those are expensive. You're going to be paying a couple hundred bucks a pop for some of those. Others, not so much. I think Droids and Ewoks is still pretty cheap. But they, back in the day, Dark Horse pretty much put everything into omnibuses. After a while, it was one of the nice things they did. They started with X-Wing Rogue Squadron. And they did Tales of the Jedi. Then they did all the Republic comics, pretty much. Um, so I think they did Dark Times, Knights of the Old Republic. Um, they did droids. They did droids and Ewoks. They did the, the Marvel ones. Um, trying to think. Oh, they did these ones called Wild Space. And the Wild Space, that was just random stuff, especially Wild Space Volume 2. They had, like, Tales of the Pod Racers, which were fruit roll-up comics from back in the day. They put, put those in. <laughs> Man. Um, we got a couple of good ones here. Outside the um, rest in peace if you're trying to buy outside the U.S. Yeah. <coughs> Import fees suck. Um, I've come across that with other stuff I collect. Like, uh, I sometimes have to import Blu-rays from Japan. Like, uh, the uh, oh gosh, who directed Dawn of the Jet, Dawn of the Dead, Noah? Uh, which one, Dawn of the Dead, the original? The original. Or, uh, George Romero. George Romero's movie Martin. You can't get it in the U.S. I had to import a Blu-ray from Japan, and I paid, I paid like sixty bucks, and it looks like a VHS rip, like it's just <laughs> terrible. But yeah, no importing fees—that's just something that goes with the the territory when you're with like media like this. It just so, happens. Revanchist, if you're that close to the U.S., can't you just like? Can't you just like uh what is it like rent out like a a parcel box in Buffalo that you can you can just drive to and pick up there that way you don't have to pay the import fees? Hmm. Cuz I think there's some I think you can do that. That would be dope. I know I know a lot of can Canadians that buy land in in Montana <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> Well, they, they live there in the summer. Oh, okay. <laughs> they summer in Montana. And they do all of their medical stuff. Because there's a lot of, like, cash-only clinics in Montana. That's a thing. I know this is getting into the weeds, but they're, I know several, like, they don't take insurance. You just pay cash for things. Hmm. If you're into that. Which, that's that's just weird. On so many levels. And kind of sketch. It's like if you went to South America to get to get new kidneys, you know? <laughs> Weird. People here anyway. will go to Tijuana to get dental work done. 
I knew someone who got their literally went to Mexico to get his stomach pumped. And like, yeah, I, actually, a guy at, at work did that too. Like, like just and like came back like three months late, missed three months of school. We were <laughs> like in eighth grade, and he looked half dead. And I'm like, dude. I won't say his name on here for the sake yeah. of privacy. He was a cool dude. Um, I'm like, what happened? He's like, oh, my stomach. My stomach got fucked up. I had, like, blockage. So we went to Mexico and got it removed. Back to uh, collecting, though. I am actually a huge advocate for uh, doing research before you get into anything. And yes. actually, like, planning out what you want to do. And actually, and this is going to be a very controversial take, but I highly recommend do your research, plan out what you want to get, and figure out what is the most expensive thing you are going to have to get and go for that first. Get that out of the way first, because that does a lot of things. It it makes it so that you don't have, like, 90% of the collection, and you're just like, oh, but I still got to drop, like, like $600 on this thing. But then it also, it sets the stage for the rest of your collection. Because one thing we haven't talked about that much is like condition being for some people, condition matters, other people, it doesn't. But when you're talking about the very expensive things, the better and better condition that it is, the much more expensive it gets. So having a, a collection that is all like, like one type of condition and then going for that expensive thing at the end can actually be very difficult to finding what that is in that condition. But if you start from there where it's like, okay, this is, this is the condition that I got. Like, again, we're talking about comics, for example, mm-hmm. tales of the Jedi being the hardest one to get usually. Okay. I've got tales of the Jedi. I've got it in this condition. The rest of my comic collection has to be at least that condition. You know, yeah. you, you, you already have that standard and you've already gotten rid of the big one. It just it just all becomes easier from there. So that would be that's my very basic uh, tips to anyone who's who's not into collecting yet, but but wants to get in. Do your research, figure out what you want, figure out how expensive it's going to be and go for the big ticket items first. I will second this because when I start collecting again, I tackle New Jedi Order and Legacy of the Force first. Um, I also inadvertently I met the seller. The seller and I became pretty close for a while, and he gave me a good deal on the Jedi Apprentice, Jedi Quest, Last of the Jedi, mm-hmm. as well as some other things like the. Uh, if you're in the U.S., they never printed the Karen Miller Star Wars books in hardcover, or Karen Travis's No Prisoners in hardcover. Typically, they, they but they were printed in hardcover in the UK under the Century imprint. Those are incredibly expensive. Incredibly, <clears throat> I've seen them go from anywhere from two hundred to four hundred dollars a piece. Because you're going to typically you typically have to import them in. Um, I was fortunate; this guy had three of them. I got them around the same time. I also got Coruscant Knights, The Last Jedi, and Shadow Games. 
trying to think what else I got. Oh, I got Yoda Dark Rendezvous and MedStar as well. Took them all out first. Because those are a pain mm-hmm. to get. Especially Shadow Games. Um, most of Legacy of the Force. Most of New Jedi Order now is a pain. It didn't used to be. When I started collecting Star Wars hardcovers, New Jedi Order, even the book club exclusives, weren't a pain except for Traitor. Traitor is always tedious to find in hardcover. Because Traitor and Dark Journey were individual book club size hardcovers that weren't collected. Because typically the New Jedi Order stuff would be collected in two two book sets mm-hmm. or three book sets. Because they were all the set. non all the ones that came out in paperback were usually duologies or trilogies. Yeah. With except for those two. Oh, and Final Prophecy. Final Prophecy, but Final Prophecy is always... I've personally... The two times I had to look for it, it was pretty easy to find those. I actually found Vector Prime for $1 in a in a bookstore, in a, I think a thrift store. But, like, getting those big purchases out of the way, whether it's comics or novels, but pick one or the other is my, mm-hmm. my thing. And then focus on the other one that doesn't matter as much to you later. Yeah. For me, it was getting the novels because this is before Essential Legends. And like the epic collections were pretty easy to get back then. So I pick up like one of those a month, that sort of thing. Although now they're a pain. Good luck finding them. Um, Another thing I want to bring up is protecting. Your yes. books, uh, investing in library sleeves is a great thing to do. If they're paperbacks, bagging and boarding them, like, or I don't recommend collecting single issues. I should just throw that out there. Single issue comics are a pain to store. I have a handful of them because they were only ever came out in single issues. Like, I have. Well, this is a weird one. Tales of the Clone Wars, Volume 1. This is a collection of Filoni web comics. You could only buy this at San Diego Comic-Con in 2008 or 9. But on the back, this is a free comic book of Jindy Tartoski's Clone Wars that was never collected in the, the digest sizes. And to my knowledge, you can only get it as the single issue from free comic book day weird (laughs) but for the most part most things ended up being collected in the omnibuses that dark horse did eventually because back in the day they just they were weird about trades and numbering them scott johnson says it was 2010 um it was early on and the Filoni Clone Wars stuff. But there's more, like, web comics and stuff. Good luck finding that. Um, That's a whole different beast. I don't think we'll get into that so much with finding things online. Can we quickly address Jacob Ayer's comment from earlier? Yeah, where... Um, he has the theory that the Epic collections get delayed so much 
because of the paper shortage and the priority is in old Marvel stuff and not Star Wars. Hmm. Fair Possibly, enough. That's an interesting maybe. theory. If this hadn't been if this hadn't been going on since Marvel got the rights back in 2015. Yeah. I would agree with the heart of the omnibuses that that's probably a problem. But the thing is, it's not just that. Like, they, they delayed the Predator. There's supposed to be a Predator omnibus that came out last month. Um, they've delayed the Aliens omnibuses 3 and 4. But these are the things that seem to sell better than, like, the old Marvel stuff. I don't know. That'd be something. Dylan's the numbers guy. We'd have to do that in a ne another follow-up episode. I don't know if I can find those numbers. <laughs> I don't know if they, they're public. I don't know if I don't know if the comic industry even makes the sales numbers public these days. They probably don't because they're a dying industry. The the no. big people are slowly killing themselves. It's like back in the day with Dark Horse when like Randy Stradley said like, "Oh, invasion!" It ended on a good note this was a good time to end it and in reality like it didn't make any money like it sold horribly and they cancelled it god we, we, talked we need had like a stream just on Randy Stradley unless you we want could, this one to go on for another hour like, we did a Legends episode about the rise and fall of Dark Horse Way, I didn't but did we, we got... talk about all the Randy Stradley I, do, I don't think we went into Randy Stradley specifically I think we just no. talked about the eras and we did but we we talked about that things went south with mm. Dark Horse like after yeah. after all the war miniseries things really <sighs> Mm -hmm. But I would say it's like 2005. <laughs> like I told you, Randy Stradley's idea, hey, let's cancel every currently running comic series and restart, basically. And that gave us Legacy and Knights of the Old Republic, as well as Dark Times and um, Rebellion. Which that explains why Empire became Rebellion, because they canceled it and then just rebooted. But it was literally the same storyline. Yeah. Just like Dark Times, more more or less. Yeah. Was supposed I mean, to be Dark like... Times, you didn't have, like, the Quinlan Voss story was done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it has the main character was introduced in the last issues of Republic, so, and Kirkrook shows up, so there's a connection. And then, but, like, at the end there, you had your Purge comics, you had your Darth Vader minis, you had, we've never talked about this, but Rebel Heist. What is there to talk about? There is, a, but like, it was like an attempt to have another series with the main characters during the Rebellion era. Mm -hmm. The miniseries, thank God, and an ongoing... We had Darth Maul comics that were TCW tie-ins, because TCW got cancelled. One of them was written by Tom Taylor, who also wrote Invasion, and he brought TCW elements from his comic back into Invasion. We have TCW connections in New Jedi Order now. Not surprising. Um, we have Brian Wood Star Wars, which if you want your comic to suck, you hire Brian Wood to write it. Mm -hmm. We de I know we definitely talked about Brian Wood in that Dark Horse uh, uh, podcast. Well, I mean, it wasn't <laughs> even canon. That's something we didn't bring up. 
because I don't think we knew that at the time. It was never meant to be canon. Which Noah and I talked privately about this uh, with Matt Wilkins, but it, with that being said, does that mean that um, Invasions not canon either? Or do you mean the Empire and Rebellion books? Well, there's the Empire and Rebellion books, yeah, because those tie into Brian Well, Woods. in a way, because as I learned recently, Martha Wells did an interview where she said, like, um, in terms of continuity, she was given the storyline for the Brian Wood Star Wars run <coughs> to make sure her book doesn't contradict it. Mm -hmm. Which means if Brian Wood's stuff is non-canon and she was told to coordinate it, her book with a non-canon storyline, it means her book could also be said to be non-canon. Mm -hmm. And same would go for Honor Among Thieves. I haven't read either yet, but I'll, I'll have to keep that in mind when I'm reading them. Yeah, I mean, well, they don't a, connect or contradict anything. Han, ref Han recognizes a Nogri in Honor Among Thieves. In Honor Among Thieves. But, that's the well, only piece of continuity. I, I personally, and pe people could disagree with me, it's okay. I don't consider Season 6 of Filoni's Clone Wars canon. Because it was released after the buyout happened. Mm-hmm. I don't consider any of that canon. Like that's that D Squad, the Jar Jar Mace Windu team up. Um, what else happened? Oh, Yoda's weird dream where he fights Sidious. That was a thing. I vaguely remember that airing on TV back when I was younger, and I was so fucking confused as to what the hell was going on until the end when they revealed, oh, it was all a dream sequence and it's Palpatine and Dooku talking that, or something. That's when Bane showed up, right? As like the that's part of that armor. Yeah. yeah. And he's not Bane. <laughs> and he's voiced by Mark Hamill. Oh yeah, that's right. He is. I always forget that. It's but, like yeah. how Basha Press is uh, voiced by Clancy Brown. Just... But really, like, this the episode to go back quickly, the episode where Yoda fights Palpatine, I had no idea what was going on until the end because I legitimately would have believed that it's real. <coughs> like, I didn't immediately think, oh, this has to be like a dream sequence or something. I was... We had Dooku what? versus Anakin and Obi-Wan. We had Obi-Wan versus Grievous. Like, it was possible to just be real. It was dumb enough. Mm -hmm. Liam Neeson's in those episodes too as Qui-Gon obviously because he'll come back for Qui-Gon in anything I mean he's only doing like old man action movies now that no one is watching well yeah yeah his uh, straight to Netflix not even straight to Netflix straight to Redbox action movies he's become I Charles Bronson He's a modern Charles Bronson. He, his Taken movies, those are just Death Wish movies without the blood. They're, they're the same. But with a lot worse editing. A lot worse edit. Oh, yeah. The 15 cuts of him climbing over a fence in Taken 3. <laughs> I did his, his uh, showing up as Qui-Gon at the end of the Obi-Wan series. And they put a fake beard on him. 
And a wig? Well, I mean, he wore a wig the whole time he played Qui-Gon Phantom Menace, but at least the facial hair was his own facial hair in Phantom mm -hmm. Menace. It's not in the OV-1 series. He's like, he, he says a couple lines and he walks away. <laughs> it's so bad. I had totally forgotten about him in Obi-Wan. We were talking Obi-Wan before the show started. Because initially I wanted to do a Legends podcast on the Obi-Wan series, but there wasn't enough to talk about. And after we got, I got labeled a toxic fan for Noah and I making fun of the Book of Boba Fett, which deserved all <laughs> of the making fun of it. Um, Max was like, it was gone. <laughs> That's 10 minutes. 10 minutes anything. No, we're basically done with the collecting. Yeah, yep. we're just ra we're just rambling about things we don't like at this point. Yeah, <laughs> as always, one legends podcast. Um, <laughs> but I like the whole thing. I want to get into this actually right now. When did the timeline get wrecked? And who do we blame for the timeline getting wrecked? We can't just blame Dave Filoni for it. Because Dave, I'm almost certain Dave Filoni didn't realize there was a timeline when he made the first I season. Think, I think, so I don't think Dave Filoni is directly at fault for the timeline. I think he is indirectly. <coughs> because when the Clone Wars movie, the Clone Wars movie when it came out was a huge retcon of every, not just the timeline of like everything we know about the prequel era. And it seems from that point on, it was, oh, we're doing this now. Because uh, a bit of spoilers into uh, when we eventually get to get um, get to uh, what we're reading. I finished the two Force Unleashed um, novelizations recently. Mm -hmm. And those also, again, which came out 2008 and 2010, around the same time that TCW was just getting started, basically completely retconned the formation of the Rebel Alliance and caused a whole bunch... and. Unfortunately, Stu's case caused a whole bunch of continuity problems uh, for the entire movies. And again, that's Dave Filoni, to my knowledge, had no like uh, no kind of creative license or was not involved in that project at all. But no, that was a Hayden Blackman project. But right, but it is a thing that came out around that time after, like you know, I. To put this simply, I don't think well Dave Filoni does retcon things and does does a lot to screw the time up the timeline. I think a lot of it isn't directly his fault, but he kind of opened the door for that to be the norm, is what I would say. Troy Denning. I knew you were gonna say it. Yeah, Troy Denning also. I mean, like we basically they just basically said, Oh, the the post Jedi Council, uh, like the Post Jedi, Luke's Jedi Order. Oh, they're now on Coruscant. Yep. Why? Instead of instead of Osis, which was set up at the end of New Jedi Order. Basically, everything that was set up by the end of New Jedi Order, fuck it. All the character development, who cares? And yeah, then Troy did a remake of the prequels. Scott, and I'm not a Filoni apologist. I'm pointing out that Filoni was not the only one doing this. <laughs> yeah. No, because yes. I, I, for a long time after reading 
Karen Miller's Wild Space, which I think is a horrifically terrible book. Um, where Obi-Wan hears die, Jedi, die, Jedi, die, Jedi for most of the book. And people say that's a good book. Matt Wilkins says Matt Wilkins, book. you're full of shit. There. He can he can find that later and complain about it on Marvel Polo. That that book's terrible. And like the whole resetting the Clone War. That one, it specifically says, oh, half the Clone Wars happened in three months. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that was Karen Miller's fault. I think she was told to put that in. Because mm-hmm. Karen Miller doesn't care enough. Yeah. To actually she treated Star Wars like it was fan fiction. She had no respect for the IP. Mm-hmm. And it's so clear by Stealth and Siege when she phoned in mm-hmm. the, those books that there was no caring whatsoever. Which, I mean, you can kind of apologize in a way because uh, Travis dropped out and Miller had to write two books instead of one. <laughs> but even then, like, even if Gambit was like, Siege and Gambit was one book, Siege. it would still suck as a story. Stealth and Siege. I love that. I love that. That's just become the meme. But that's what those books are called now. <laughs> yes, we've meant we've like Mandela effect the uh, affected the title of those books. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I think Karen Travis left at the perfect time. Mm-hmm. In some ways, in her own arrogant weirdness, she saw the writing on the wall and pieced out. She did it in the most Karen Travis way humanly possible. But she's like, this isn't my Star Wars anymore. And left. I have, I'm kind of proud of her. Plus, we didn't get any more Republic Commando nonsense. (laughs) That series just stopped and never got finished. It stopped at like the, uh, at the worst Imperial Commando is so infuriating because it's like, (laughs) oh, there's why did why did it have to end there? I know these this series is bad, but I still want to know how it ends. I think in a way, I I know on on a forum she said, yeah, everyone was going to get a happy ending. That's BS. No, except for uh, oh, I forget his name, but it's like the new clone that's like a new batch that joins like Omega Squad. Uh, yeah, he get she says off. Yeah, uh, Cal uh, Cal kills him. Uh, because he like tries to betray them or something. I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I honestly think she was going to lead up to what caused Children of the Jedi. Hmm. I think and that's an interesting take. Well, I mean, she that's No Prisoners is a prequel to Children of the Jedi. Yep. As many of the characters that And the are... weird thing is that it's a good book. It's probably her best. That's bizarre. Hard contact, I think, yeah. is her best. I think yeah. that's her strong all of her strong points. Um I mean But no prisoners has Pelion. What's yes. that? No, no prisoners, prisoners has Pelion, so it's better Those are definitely it. one, two, and the third best book is probably the TCW novelization. I was as, gonna as say interesting. That, yeah. As terrible as that is to say, that's probably her <laughs> I will say that that's a solid novelization. It is. It's such a shame. There's several (laughs) chapters before the movie starts, and they're the best chapters. 
Right. And all the all the stuff in the book that isn't in the movie, you're just like, wow, this is really cool and interesting. And it's really dark and gritty. And then the stuff and then like the movie happens and you're just like, oh, but this is like terrible. Why is this here? Like, I know it's not your fault this is in here, but like, why is this here? <laughs> this is a children's movie. I just think it's funny that they made an adult novelization for the TCW movie. Mm -hmm. It's really dark, too, especially like the uh, when like the clones are like uh, basically like trapped and like besieged and they're like they're getting picked off one by one. And it's like this super gritty like war story of them just trying to survive. And mm -hmm. then it's like and then the next chapter is like Stinky the Hut like pooping and like and while 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 being like like getting a poopy diaper while like Ahsoka is holding her. He's and him. He's like, oh, ew. <laughs> You know what I will say, what I like about her TCW novelization and No Prisoners? You can feel that she really doesn't like Ahsoka's character at all. Yes. No, God, no. I don't blame her. Ahsoka's god-awful, like, when she was writing. Especially when she was writing. You know who did, saw, who saw potential in Ahsoka? It was Karen Miller. Mm -hmm. Ahsoka has all the interesting stuff in uh, Stealth and was it Siege and Gambit? Gambit? <laughs> and even, I think even Karen Travis, despite her her obvious dislike for Ahsoka, she tried to make her a better character. Yeah, I mean, she's like, Pelion's like, you can't dress like that on my ship. Mm -hmm. And so she wears military fatigues. And or when she sees, like, um, Kalista and her husband making out, and she's like, oh, she how can you do this? But she learns that there are other Jedi. Mm -hmm. Although it does get fan fiction-y when Anakin shows up and a Callista's looking at Anakin. Ugh. That That's like the one point where I'm really taken out of that story. Because mm -hmm. No Prisoners, if you're going to read a, a Clone Wars tie-in novel, read No Prisoners. It's the best one. Um, It's Rex's perspective for a lot of it, which is really interesting. Um, if Rex is one of those few TCW characters that I think is actually really good, um, along with, uh, Cad Bane and Hondo, but I think I like Hondo more because in Rebels, they made him just a, a joke character. He's like the best part of Rebels. If you've, I, I don't think either of you have seen Rebels. I've seen the first two seasons and then I gave up because it wasn't worth it. Oh, uh, season three and four are bad. Yeah, I, I figured it I got some enjoyment out of seasons one and two. But once they add Thrawn in and Thrawn doesn't act like Thrawn, he throws a temper tantrum at one point. I saw there's that. another scene where he's doing kung fu with robots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <sighs> And his code word is like Rook. Because remember the front religion. Well, Rook remember becomes the a Rook's a character in season four. Yeah, which just shows like Filoni didn't plan or care. Like it, it, to me, that's obvious. Like, oh, he was going to put in Rook as the code name, like as a cheeky little reference. He wasn't going to bring in the character. And then well, he you did. know who also shows up at the end of season four? Hellion. Yeah, in name. Gets in well, he talks. Yeah, I know. He did. He did sound British, right? At least give him that much. Yeah, I think so. Okay, at least something. I can't remember. That was the scene where Palpatine was a fake hologram and then turned into regular Palpatine hologram. 
and the the royal guards are fighting Ezra, and they have levitation staffs. That's what their staffs do now, is they levitate people in a force field. I'm not sure what that does. I don't know why you would have that. Is that... Mechanino Alex in the comments, Hondo is just Jack Sparrow. Exactly. It's the best part of Rebels. Wherever Hondo... And he has a, he has a weird uh, Ugnot sidekick for some reason in Rebels. And, like, they just that's just there? I don't know. What I'm getting uh, at was skipping Rebels was the best decision I've ever made. Oh, yeah, yeah. dude. It's I, I will say Rebels was better than season seven of TCW. Season seven of TCW was the most infuriating thing I've ever watched. One third of it was to promote Bad Batch, which makes no logical sense why the Kaminoans would keep defective clones. Because as we remember with Karen Travis books, they murder them. Yeah, they yeah. euthanize them. Yeah. They euthanize them for less than that. They euthanize them for being too good at their jobs. <laughs> yeah. But um, I don't know. Okay, I don't know enough about season seven. Uh, please tell me if I'm wrong. There was stuff released before that was going to be in season seven. Um, obviously, like the Quinlan Voss garbage storyline, which became the Dark, Dark Disciple. Disciple. Yeah. Uh, the Son of Dathomir. And. Mm -hmm. I think that's it, but... No, there, there was one more. There was a... I know two things. Okay, there was a crisis on Utapau thing with crystals or something, and there was a Boba Fett versus Cat Bane storyline. Yes, and I think they the dropped one. both. What's that? Right? I think they dropped both. Like, they never told them in any material, right? Yeah, so they made... There's alpha-rendered cutscenes for those. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. And there's an extended talk of Obi-Wan and Anakin talking about Anakin moving on from Ahsoka. That is voiced and stuff, but they never put it in. Um, I think they never put... They didn't put the Boba Fett stuff in because they were making Book of Boba Fett and they wanted Cat Bane in it. Um, Dark Disciple, they just didn't feel like doing that. They referenced Son of Dalthamir, but they don't... It's not in it. Instead, we have the second arc, which is Ahsoka hanging out with a swindling sideshave girl and her annoying sister. But they're both annoying. It's just the sister's a little more annoying. And then they uncover that Maul is still Mandalore, I guess. And then Sabine? Is it Sabine? I can't remember. Who's who's the... The... Uh, the the head of the Mandalorians at the end of... Duchess Satine. Uh, no, her sister. Her oh. sister shows up. I don't know that. Because she's now a character in in Mandalorian. And Sabim Wren, who's the Mandalorian in Rebels, is moms with her. So, hmm. and they're like, we need your help on Mandalore. And so they, they hire... They don't. They get Ahsoka to help them, and then Anakin meets up with Ahsoka and gives her her lightsabers, which are now blue. Because why not? And then she goes and sieges Mandalore with Rex, so we can get them out of the way, so the revenge of the Sith can happen. 
And then that's where all the money went was for that last arc. Like they even changed the TCW logo for it. They do a, a terrible motion capture fight where they actually got Ray Park to be Darth Maul again so he can fight Ahsoka. Which normally I'd be like, I hate this, but Ahsoka survived General Grievous. So of course she can survive Maul. Can we just appreciate can we can we just appreciate for a second how all of this sounds so fan fiction-y? Uh-huh. Here's Ahsoka, she fought Grievous, she fought Darth Maul, who's resurrected. Did she fight Dooku at some point? No, I'm shocked they didn't have that. No, they were too busy having Anakin fight Dooku. <sighs> Anakin fights Dooku three times in TCW, including the movie. <sighs> he even fights him with Obi-Wan at least once. This time we're doing it together. Yeah. Do you remember the Game Boy Advance game, Star Wars, the new droid army? At the end, you fight Dooku in that. Oh, yeah, and it was revealed it was either a clone or like a force projection like in Dark Empire. Exactly. Which is referenced in Yoda Dark Rendezvous, by the way. Yes. Which proves that Yoda Dark Rendezvous is the perfect book to be added to the Essential Legends collection. Yeah. I think oh, it's right. the That's book they could put in there. Actually, no, that'd be ru- if they put Star Wars Galaxy's Ruins of Dantooine in the Essential Legends collection. First of all, I'd be ecstatic. If they put Crystal Star in? Oh, I'd love that. They're too. going they're yeah. going to. Because they into the void is gonna be in the next wave. <laughs> oh yeah, into the void. That's so strange. Into Essential Legends. Hard contact and Yoda Dark Rendezvous. Yeah, I'm surprised they still haven't done um, Splinter of the Mind's Eye. If you're talking yeah. essential, like the big, well-known mm-hmm. Legends books. But again, that has nothing to do with what they choose. It's just like popularity and what they mm-hmm. think will sell. Well, why Yoda? Well, it has to be Yoda popularity. is always popular? Yeah, it would have to be popularity because we're seven waves in. We don't have a single Kevin J. Anderson novel. That was for Matt if he's still watching. He'll watch again. <laughs> um, he he will, and he'll talk about it on Marco Polo. Which Dylan, we need to bring this up, people, because I've invited Dylan to our Marco Polo chat that Noah, Adam, Matt, and I have, but Adam doesn't pay attention to anymore, and Dylan won't come on. Okay, I have a job where when I, I walk onto too. the job site. I am not allowed to take photos or videos of anything. And you add me to join a, a, an app that requires me to record myself talking into, into my phone. I can't. <laughs> Sorry, I can't use it. Do it at night. <laughs> it's an off chance you get Noah in the, in the early morning. He's usually up. Yeah. I, I do it throughout the day because I work from home and I can. But I'm the only one that does it throughout the day. Well, Matt does it too, but it's casual. Come join us. We have all sorts of weird legends discussions that we can't talk about on here because they involve the expandinguniverse.com. For instance, yeah. what Noah's writing for it. Yeah, when Matt Wilkins forces me to write. And if I'll ever write an article for the Expanding Universe. 
Um, Dylan, you write for the expandeduniverse.com, don't you? I used to. I don't anymore. I come out of <laughs> retirement every now and then when I have an idea for something. Do you remember when you used to write Armada reviews on the Star Wars reviewers Facebook group? I did, and like two people would like them. You were one of them. <laughs> Even though you didn't play Armada? No, I, d- I didn't enjoy When we were at Gen Con back in 2016, Dylan spent an entire day watching other people play Armada in a tournament. Yeah. And it looked his writing prowess for reviewing Armada stuff. If you were in, even if you're not into Armada, if those were still up, they probably are. If you want to join Star Wars reviewers, I don't know why you would. This is a very dead Facebook group that we're banned from. Yep. Noah's not banned from it, but probably guilt by association, you get banned immediately. Um, Let's make a Smurf. They're, they're so, they used to be so paranoid about fake accounts. Over there, I don't even know if they'd let you have a fake account. Probably question you. Not like David. Mm-hmm. You remember that group? Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I we're bringing up all the old references, man. <laughs> it's it's a throwback. Well, it's legends never die. Yeah, including David and the harassing at Dragon Con or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't even remember what happened with that. Yeah, he uh, it was like some podcaster that and he just kept bugging him of like, hey, and uh, in, in his defense, he is also on the spectrum. So he probably wasn't getting like the social cues of I don't want to talk to you right now. But he just kept like bugging him about like this thing and handing out the flyer flyers for like his Facebook group. And then like that guy told like another guy, then it became this huge controversy that Legends fans bother people at conventions. <laughs> And then we got accused of threatening someone at Dragon Con when we never went to Dragon Con. Mm-hmm. That happened around the I same time. I remember that. I forgot the guy's name, but I remember that. Oh, yeah, because I got banned from his Twitter. I got blocked. Well, he we literally were talking... Uh, Amelia explained what the stabbing memes are to me because mm-hmm. I'm an elderly person and I don't meme too often. It's like how uh, Noah doesn't internet often and doesn't understand the internet. Mm-hmm. Or how Matt doesn't understand how uh, how to get onto a live stream. It mm-hmm. takes like an hour for him to get on. He, Matt Wilkins can come on a live stream pretty quick when he wants to destroy it, when he wants to bomb it like he did with mine. <laughs> I'm having discussions. Suddenly Matt Wilkins is in the chat and I send him an invite. He's like, let me in. And then I let him in. And he derails the conversation. <laughs> Speaking of derailing the conversation, your comments are going wild. With oh, I know. Conspiracy, conspiracy theories, insulting me. That's good to insult Noah. It's Has good. anyone seen Noah outside his room? How? Okay, we're going to figure out if Noah is a real person and not just Dylan also. Because I think Dylan... <laughs> Why is everyone me? Secretly me. Why is that the conspiracy theory? Dude, you're you're probably Kathleen Kennedy too. This is just an elaborate troll. <laughs> it's like it's like a Scooby-Doo mask. He just reveals he's just Kathleen Kennedy the whole time. Legends podcast is a lie. 
But no, um, I'm going to Germany in November. We'll see if Noah ever leaves his house. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, we talked about it probably that I'm going to go to your place where you're going to stay instead of we'll you see. coming here. Maybe we'll figure we'll it out. We'll see because I, I'm visiting him whenever we'll all be jet lagged because my family's coming along, my girlfriend. So I, it will probably, I'm, it's looking more likely I'll come to you and I have to learn the Germany transit system. I have to take the train. So I think it's going to be a three hour train ride. Probably. That's going to be wild. That's why Dylan needs to go on Marco Polo. (coughs) I'll need emotional support for someone who isn't busy on the weekend because Matt will be with his kids. Sorry, Dylan's body is attached to his couch. Good comments. <laughs> I can... Dylan's body is actually urine. Do you not see the videos when I'm like I'm facing my bookshelf over there? No, you never do that. You're always on the piss couch. <laughs> I do it for uh, Civilized Aged and the uh, the uh, EU tournament stuff. But you know what? Dylan is a centaur, but his bottom half is the piss couch. He's a mythical beast, also known as John Sadler and Dak 303. No one knows who John Sadler is anymore. <laughs> he is John Sadler. Someone they know needs- who he is. He's you. I'm gonna make a shirt. When I when people get okay. me to 500 subscribers and I will do a limited run t-shirt. Okay, I have a question for the chat. Chat, how many of you know who Eric Geller is? That's gonna be no response. Someone, oh, someone, please create a Wikipedia page for the piss couch. <laughs> Make sure to tag the uh... Scott does. Okay, Scott does. Scott's been around here long enough. Who? Yeah, the exactly. piss couch will be referenced in supernatural Eric... encounters. <laughs> Eric Geller was around at this, like the Eric Geller. Uh. The Eric Geller era was around when John Sather was still active. <laughs> boomer knowledge. <laughs> oh man, I'm such a boomer. I've been in this since 2014. That was eight we, years ago. We've been in the trenches for a long time. If Dylan sells the couch, ban him from the Discord. I'm going to. I'm not going to sell this couch. I'm just going to throw it away when I move out of this apartment. You better not. It's an artifact. It's important history. Dylan, we need to auction it off for Twin Sons money. Oh, yeah. Speaking of Twin Sons, we just streamed yesterday where we bought books. So, Joe, go check it out. There's like 10 views. <laughs> yeah, give it a watch. It's a lot more. It functions better than this one where, where I'm just spitting facts and Dylan's denying things. But seriously, you have to sell it like a charity event. You, we have people in the chat. They would Ooh. pay for it. Who is going to buy this? I'll buy it. In the comments, Jacob A.S., Cody Sparks, we have McNino, Alex, they all would buy it. I would buy it if I had the money, if you would ship it to Germany. It's a couch. <laughs> Dude, I will take, I'll take a barge. I'll, 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 go on a, I'll go on a fucking barge with the piss couch. No, like, you meet me in France and we'll drive. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put it in your you have like a smart car right we'll tie it to the top then the car isn't gonna drive 
<laughs> the couch is probably heavier than my car. <laughs> Noah has the tiniest car I think I've ever seen a human being drive. Yes, literally a two-seater. Two people sitting. <laughs> Thin people, not fatsos. No. <laughs> I just want to thank you, Maxwell, for this. The last item in Chris Nelson's collection. <laughs> we need to talk to Joe Bongiorno and change the background of um, StarWarsTimeLate.net so it's the piss couch. Actually, someone in the comments, I need you to design a shirt that has top half Dylan, bottom half piss couch, and it says, I'm the real John Sadler on it. I need this made. <laughs> oh thank you this is a great I need Chris Nelson to purchase it and then with a straight face do a promo video on it <laughs> you know, I, you know I, I wanted to make a, a a documentary about EU fans but I want to change it to the piss couch <laughs> a Star Wars Legends podcast documentary Oh man. Okay, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna change the banner on my YouTube channel to the piss couch. I just need a good picture. Dylan, move the camera a bit. Okay, I need the full full view. I'm gonna take a screenshot. And, and I hope I can put it in. Your top half body. Why? We we need Fine, I'll 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 leave and you can just talk to the piss couch. No, you have to position the camera a bit. I need a better a better view of the couch. Dylan, okay. why is your house a mess? As I as we look at mine, <laughs> which is a fucking mess too. Okay, I took a picture of it. Title <laughs> it piss safe. But someone, I need you to draw Dylan as a centaur couch. Says I'm the real John Sadler, and he's holding quarters. He's got two two like bags of quarters. Hello, Brady Perkins. Welcome. You came in at the best time. Dylan just left. Oh, there he is. But yeah, okay, Dylan, I took I'm a screenshot shirt that I want. We hit. I you need to get me to like five hundred, six hundred subscribers. People, just keep subscribing, and we'll get a limited run T-shirt. Of Dylan as a centaur couch holding up two bags of quarters and yelling that he's the real John Sadler. Quarters? I don't have quarters, but I do have pennies. Anyway, this is uh, so the thing I like to collect is coins. So here's my Get collection. Fuck out of here. No. 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 No! No! Oh, man. My hackles are raised. Yeah, 1857 is the oldest one I have, actually. But I do have a coin from 1839. Take you and your toupee out of here. What are you reading, Dylan? Uh, I am. I haven't started it yet. Um, But I am on the Han Solo Adventures by L. Neil Smith. Uh, as I said before, I recently what? finished... What? 
<laughs> Solo Adventures right. by the Aliens. Lando, the Lando, Calrissian. I would read this. But yes, I long day. But long I recently day. finished, as I said earlier, the Force and Least duology. Um, oh, I, I please, read I need details. Sean, where his writing style? Please tell me. What it's do you think? Interesting. Is it better than Fatal Alliance? One hundred percent better than Fatal Alliance. Well, that doesn't take much, but... Okay, so it's really interesting. He is terrible at fight scenes. Maybe maybe it's yep. because I'm used to... I, I just gotten used to, like, Lucino and Stover and, and even Denning, among, amongst all his bad, bad things. He can write a pretty damn good, like, actual sword fight scene. Sword mm -hmm. fight. But, like, it's weird reading a novelization, and I talked about this on the the Twinson stream yesterday, where it's like, because that that it's an action game, and it's an action game with a lot of boss battles, right? So it's it, it's weird getting to like the Ram Kota fight, and then in three pages it's over, but in game it takes you like ten to fifteen minutes to beat him, and like all of the all of the fights are like that, like where it's just you you get to the fight and you're just like, oh, that's it, it's over. Mm -hmm. uh, okay and it's not just the sword fighting it's also the blaster fight it all reads like he just wrote what he saw on screen mm -hmm. and it, it it has this like weird fan fictiony feeling of like yeah like he doesn't really know what to do like how to write this stuff the the one saving grace for it was that it's told from this it's told from both star killer and juno eclipse's perspective and i felt the juno parts where it's just her pov and her thoughts and what's going on were were fascinating i i enjoyed oh, yeah. those parts but the 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 rest of it because i don't like star killer i i don't i don't find his character that interesting and again i don't like how much of a wrench it took to the already shattered rebellion continuity um that those two novels had but juno was great i i enjoyed juno yeah. and i joined her um uh, perspective on things yeah, she's the best part of force unleashed 2 the book because mm -hmm. she if that was like a novella or something just focused on her working for the rebel alliance it would be so much better because mm -hmm. the star killer story is such garbage in yes that book. oh yeah well the they made force unleashed to make a game engine that was force unleashed's point but at least it had the facade of a story mm -hmm. that tries to do something and then but you have bad it's yeah, it's bad, bad, but it it tries to do something. But then you have Force Unleashed 2, which is like, oh my god, our game was successful, we have to make a sequel. Oh shit, we killed the main character. We bring in a clone. What is the story? He wants his girlfriend back. Mm -hmm. So he's gonna look for her. And that's but the is story. he a clone? We don't know he's a clone. <laughs> but yeah. they, they, they gaslight you all throughout the movie. It's like, I don't know, maybe he's not a clone. They keep saying he's not a clone, He's but no, he's a clone. Stop. Mm -hmm. And again, it's it's the same problem I think with uh, uh, as you talked about Karen Travis's The Clone Wars novel is I feel bad for Sean Williams because it's not his fault that the story he's bad. He's just writing the novelization of an already bad story. And I can tell he's trying to do his best. That's what the Juno parts are. But he's just not as good at executing it as Karen Travis was with, with The Clone Wars. Mainly because the pacing and the action scenes are for a game that's supposed to be an action like adventure, an action game, an action fighting like boss battle game, it's really lacking in that when it comes to the the 
when reading it. Let me, I have a theory here. It's so dumb. It, it might be as dumb as when I said Ray is Shmi. The Ray is Shmi theory that turned out to actually be a th- fan theory. Mm-hmm. It's on this level. Force Unleashed 3. The reason Starkiller has visions of Juno in Force Unleashed 2 is because Starkiller's OG Starkiller, his spirit is in new Starkiller. Like but he's Palpatine? also cloned still. It's like in Kingdom Hearts with Sora and Roxas as the nobody of Sora. You know that that would have been a thing. Oh, another thing. This pissed me off about the first one, which they got right in the second one, was that, and, and you've talked about this, Jeremy, when someone stands toe-to-toe with Darth Vader when they shouldn't. Uh-huh. And, and that's Starkiller at the end. Because Starkiller basically... I'm okay with Starkiller beating Vader because he is much more powerful in the Force as Vader. But Vader is a far superior duelist in every aspect. And yeah. in the first novel, in the novel, he beats Vader with his dueling skills, which completely took me out of it. It's like, no, there's no way Starkiller... And the second one, it's like it's almost like Sean Williams realizes his mistake because the second one, when he escapes, he's like the Star Killer clones realize, oh, I can't beat him in a sword fight. He's better to me than anything else. The only thing I can do is like force lighting because that's his one weakness, and that's how he escapes, and that's how he beats him at the beginning, the end of it. But in the first one, it's like, no, I just like got past your guard because I'm a better sword. Like, no, 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 you are not a better swordsman than Vader. Vader is the king of that era of swordplay. I this is it as bad though as Ferris Olin holding his own against Vader. No, because uh, I guess because Starkiller is at least trained in combat, and that's like his main thing is combat. Mm-hmm. But it's still or Ahsoka fighting Vader. I know that's a new can. I think Ahsoka's the most opaque. Ahsoka's Kukruk. And you're doing a disservice to Kukruk. Leave Kukruk alone. He's awesome. (laughs) But uh, Filoni thinks that Ahsoka's the best thing that's ever happened to Star Wars. And he had to save her with time travel. Yes. Even though in season two, it's clear that she's wandering around by herself at the end and survived. Dave Filoni contradicted himself. What a shock. It's like in Bad Batch, which... <coughs> when is Bad Batch set? Is it like a couple of months after... It's at, during Order 66. Oh, okay, because I remember this. It has Tarkin in it, and he looks like New Hope Tarkin. Yes. Which he doesn't do in TCW, which takes place like two weeks earlier. <laughs> yes. He, he aged differently. Well, then he goes to looking like a Mars attack alien in Rebels. Oh, God. Yeah, and then he looks like a CGI recreation of a human being in Rogue One. And then he looks like Peter Cushing. (coughs) That's how Tarkin's age. You know. They also have weird old man six-pack abs and get in knife fights. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 
What is, what is that, it that was a making? dream sequence that Tarkin had in a comic. Why is the Disney canon trying to make Tarkin into this big thing and a sex symbol? That Peter Cushing is they, a handsome man. This is their, 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 because they're eventually going to bring Dala into canon, and they want to, and they want to make that like, they want to make it look like Tarkin is actually a desirable person to be with, <laughs> to make that actually make a little more sense than it did in Legends. Oh man. I, I'm convinced at first, like 2015-ish, they wanted Tarkin to be the new Thrawn before they yeah, brought Thrawn and, back. And they wanted Admiral Ray Sloan to be the new Dala. Yeah. But they did nothing with Ray Sloan. Mm -hmm. I mean, she was in like five books. What is the fifth? I know she's in the Aftermath trilogy, but she was introduced in New Dawn by Miller. She's what in Phasma. She? Oh, okay. She's referenced in Phasma. Isn't she also in uh, the Battlefront game? Yeah, because she's in the Battle of Jakku. Yeah. Which is going on in the last Aftermath book. The most boring of the Aftermath books. Um, Maxwell, um, is it true that Dala slept with Tarkin? Yes. Yes. It's also I explored also a little bit more. She, later, she also slept with Boba Fett. She slept with this uh, guy who worked for the terrorist in Planet of Twilight. She slept with uh, Admiral Buatu, the Boffin. She's also a furry, obviously. And hey, she's in good company with Jansen. Let's Jansen bang the Boffin and uh, Requiem for a Rogue. Oh, man. Cor uh, no, Corin did a Salonian. Yeah, the famous chapter. Yeah, that's confirmed in, I think, like, uh, Wedge's Gamble, I think. Yeah, he talks about it for, like, ten pages and how he got an STD because of it. <laughs> I mean, Because he's, give, he's giving Gavin Darklighter a little kid, like, romance. Oh, yeah, because Gavin, yeah, Gavin had a relationship with, uh, what's her name? Who was on, uh, another Boston that was on, mm -hmm. uh, her name started with an A, I remember. Okay, I want to I digress here into a Trist, I'll call it a Tristan topic. Mm -hmm. What Star Wars species are acceptable to bang? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I, I want to make this clear. Because, you know, Tristan loves his, his Twi'leks. As do I. I'd I, I bang a Twi'lek. So would George Lucas, as we know. Yeah, exactly. So, Twi'leks, Zeltrons? That's acceptable. Um, <laughs> if you want to break it down, the ones that are humanoid, would you fuck a tree? Would you would you fuck Tirasa from <laughs> Republic? <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> what have I done? The only. The only. The only acceptable out, uh, answer is whatever species Waru is. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's Luke. Yeddle. <laughs> Barris's race? Well, if oh, you go geez, by the I approaching guess. storm, Barris and, and Luminara are humans, not um, Meridians. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah, that was weird. Are they really? Yeah. 
No, yeah. the approaching storm, Ellen Dean Foster writes it like she, Barris yeah. thinks of herself as like human and he describes her as like humans, but they are not. Like it's a extremely close, but a different species. Uh, they do have like greenish skin, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. Vong is the true answer. Okay, okay. Your yours is weird. I mean, uh, New Jedi Order. It does say the female Vong are attractive. What about Chess? That's kind of. They don't have pupils, though. I don't know. That 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 would weird me out. I'm just saying. Maxwell, your question. I actually have an answer, and I hate myself for it. <laughs> Has a human ever slept with a Wookiee in Legends or canon? Um, well, as you remember, in Legacy of the Force, <laughs> Invincible, the famous novel by Troy Denning, he implies that Han Solo had a threesome before. And chances are high Shui was involved in some way or another. And Shui flirts with some human girls in Han Solo and the Lost Legacy <laughs> while, he was, while he was married. And had a child. So yeah, Chewie is up to something. Trandoshan? <laughs> oh lord, we haven't even gotten to what Noah's reading. Noah, <laughs> what are you reading? Um, I'm reading the Legacy comics again for my reviews. I'm at Claws of the Dragon. Awesome, Ooh. what a great, that's a good arc. Yeah. As for me, I just finished Jedi Apprentice Book 2, The Dark Rival. I wanted to talk about this. Because I recently read Jedi The Dark Side, that weird comic series that is about Qui-Gon and Xanatos. Um, I much prefer how Jude Watson handled the Xanatos backstory in Dark Rival. I don't, Dylan's not read it, I don't think. No. Uh, throughout, like, every chapter in Dark Rival opens with a little bit about Xanatos and Qui-Gon. Building up to what happens to him. Um, but the comic adds all sorts of stuff in it, like towels in there. For reasons. I don't think Jude Watson ever established the towel was involved in Xanatos and Qui-Gon's last mission in Jedi Apprentice, right, Noah? No. I, I, I only so. vaguely remember the comic. But in the comic, the towels in it, <clears throat> for whatever reason. And I, I talked about this, yeah, I talked about this with Matt Wilkins. Wouldn't it have been awesome if you got, like, actual, like, a Jude Watson to write the comic backstory? Because... To me, it comes across like they were trying to set up a bigger comic storyline of yes. Qui-Gon adventures before Jedi Apprentice. Mm -hmm. Because it's obviously, it ends open, the, the Jedi the Dark Side. But apparently it didn't sell well. No, oh, yeah, because Dark Horse was falling apart. They were shitting in bed with Star mm -hmm. Wars. They couldn't, even when they had a good story, they couldn't market it properly. Yeah. And Legacy 2 is pretty good. They couldn't market it properly. Mm -hmm. They ruined all their good series. 
Knights of the Old Republic. They they ruined ended that. well with fifty, and then we got war. Which war isn't a bad story, mm-hmm. but it's not great. And it's confusing because we had legacy ending on issue fifty with the story open ended, and then war was like to finish it off. Mm-hmm. And then we get, and then I got to Koto, and I was expecting the exact same thing. Fifty is an open ending, and Koto War is like the big final stuff. Nope, it's just a random extra story. Yeah, yeah, it's an extra story about how he gets involved in the in the war for some reason. Even though the whole series, he's like avoiding the war and wants no part in it. But he yeah, got drafted at the airport. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then there's Jedi defecting to the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. That's like the big thing. But it's not a big thing. Also, I I may not be remembering this properly. Does Revan even show up in the KOTOR comics? Yes. He gets small cameos and we get a backstory of how he got the mask and he had this vision of Mandalorians right, yeah. killing people. We get more of um, Malek's backstory, which is great, yes. by the way. The way yeah, because he shows up. He actually meets uh, Zane and the gang several times. Yeah, because like they meet him on Flashpoint. He get yeah. he des- he decides to get extra tortured for what's her face, so she won't. Yeah, yeah. And then I didn't catch on till much later that that was actually Malik. They were the same character, Malik. You mean near the end when he got like when he's bald, he got the tattoos, and he calls himself Captain Malik. I never and his got real name to work on my computer when I was reading the Kotor mm-hmm. comic, so I knew barely anything about Kotor. Okay, and that this I find funny. He his real name is Alec, and then his alias mm-hmm. is Malik. Genius. No one is gonna gonna suspect. Well, anything. that's John Jackson Miller having a laugh because Kotor's a comedy. Yeah, series. because he because his real name is Alec Squint Generissimo or something stupid like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and quick to answer the chat. Um, Alex, I'm gonna read Hand of Thrawn 45's uh, Sword of the Jedi fanfiction at some point. I, I may even start this weekend, but I have to read Legacy, finish it, review it. That's the important thing, and then I will get to the fanfiction. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Um, anyway, I think that's it. Or... <laughs> We're finally done. Yeah, unless there's some big Star Wars news we have forgotten about. Well, the Ahsoka uh, series is coming out. When? I don't know. <laughs> I think they finished filming it. I don't care enough. I know the Cassian Andor show came out and none of us have seen it. Oh, I think th- I think I saw they casted like an actual actor for grown-up Ezra. I yes. was going to say Ezra Miller, Ezra Bridger, Bridger, whatever his name is. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, whatever. Which means we're going to get Thrawn live action. We'll get live action Thrawn. We'll get live action Sabine. Live action Ezra. And personally, I think there's a flashback with Maul, too. Like... Because I think Ray Park was in the mall paint again. But that was a while ago. I don't know what that was about. Um, I personally just don't... I don't get why 
we have Ahsoka still. Because Filoni is in charge and she's a popular character that everybody loves. So now she's in everything. She's in Tales of the Jedi. Well, yeah, she, we have to get baby Ahsoka. If I, we can play story. We can play this game. If it was 20, imagine it's 2012 and I tell you all of the stuff that has happened since. Hey, the sequels are going to be a remake of a mishmash of Dark Empire and the Jedi Prince books. Ken Palpatine is now a female. And she is the true chosen one. And then I tell you, oh, we're going to get an Ahsoka show. She's going to show up in everything. She's going to fight Darth Maul. She's going to be fight the main character of Tales of the Jedi. You would call me, you would fucking call me crazy. And people accept all of this. We don't. Yeah, but. Star Wars fans are dumb. I've been saying this for a long time. We're all neurotic weirdos, but like the the Disney fans, I don't know why they accept what they accept. Yeah, I don't I, get it. Like it's. Yeah. Just... I mean, we are fanatics. Like I love the expanded universe. <sighs> I fucking hate a lot of it, mm-hmm. like the Denning verse, obviously, but. It's so weird the people who don't criticize the stuff they love. It's they just accept all of it. It's so it's so weird. And and to me, I honestly the only time Star Wars has ever really gotten TV down, Jinji Tartoski's Clone Wars. I mean, you're forgetting the holiday special and droids I mean, and Ewoks. I I don't think droids and Ewoks are good. Especially droids. Droids is a particularly painful to watch. Yeah. Um, if it weren't if Anthony Daniels wasn't voicing C3PO, it would be unwatchable. But Ewoks is not good. The Ewok movies aren't particularly good. I appreciate what they are. They are neat. They are a neat time capsule of history. It's one of the last times I think the stop motion was used, like, unironically. Hmm. They're really well-made TV movies, but I wouldn't consider them good. And for some reason they played in cinemas. Well, one played in cinemas in the UK. They never, not in the US. Which one, the first or the second? The first. Oh, because the second one played in German cinemas. Really? Yeah. For for some reason. The second one's where they got the budget cut. Did you know that the Evoke movies were originally going to be set in like 200 or 300 years after Return of the Jedi? And then Leland Chi said, oh, we decided against it because something, something with uh, Wicked. Oh, so work. Isn't work, Davies, Wicked in those too? Yeah, I think so. That's what I thought. Because he wrenches it in his book for like one paragraph. Hmm. And that's it. By the way, this has to be a topic in the next stream. Uh, Randy Stradley on the one hand and Leland Chi on the other. Because in my Discord, we have come to the conclusion Leland Chi was beyond useless. And I'm not even sure if he's still alive. Have we actually seen... Have we seen Leland Chi anywhere? 
in the last couple of years. No, we hadn't seen Leland Chi since he he made a post saying that yeah, I'm still in the story group. Like, but that was like twenty. That was like when Last Jedi came out, right, Dylan? You remember that? Yeah, I actually again I had the chance of I was able to meet Leland Chi in 2015, and he seems like a very like shy person that is the kind to like not want to ruffle feathers if that makes sense mm-hmm. yeah. well if we're talking random and was generally genuinely excited at the time that there were new movies this was pre-tfa <coughs> by the way at the time he was excited yes. yeah because this is when you met alan dean foster right <laughs> yes when Alan Dean Foster was excited before he got real pissed at Disney. Oh my god, I wish there was like footage of him being excited. Because I imagine putting it side by side with like the interview he did. There's where he talked a... about how terrible Disney is okay. and the movies are. I was actually at this panel too. The uh it was the twenty fifteen celebration. Um Delray had some like uh Delray had some panel. It it was like the Delray panel. And they were about, they started the panel and they like, after like 10 minutes of talking, they opened it up like 30 minutes of talking, they opened up the questions. And the first person they called him asked like, Hey, can I write the novelization to uh, the force awakens? And it's like, and they kind of went back and forth with them. And then like, he sits up and walks onto the screen and it's Alan Dean Foster that they were talking to. It was a really fun moment. Mm-hmm. It was like that. It was really cool to be a part of like, Oh wow. That, that, that's, that's such a great idea. But I'm, I'm almost certain that that exists on YouTube somewhere. Oh my God. That sounds amazing. I remember us talking about that when it happened. I just remember the story being that they didn't know who Alan Dean Foster was when they hired him. I didn't know this was like a public event. Okay. So I think at that time he had already been contracted to write it. Like that wasn't a spur of the moment thing. Like he, they already knew he was planning on writing it. He had already probably submitted drafts or whatever, but he was at celebration, uh, he was he had been invited to celebration to be one of the authors there already. So they had just like, hey, we know you're going to be writing this book, so we're going to plant you in the crowd, and then we're just going to have this bit, and then you're going to come on stage and do this. I'm pretty sure that's what happened. But I think both of those stories are correct that they didn't know who he was, and then they got him on, and then they did the bit at celebration. I think is what happened. And then they realized, oh, this is the guy who wrote the first Star Wars book. Yeah, <laughs> that's genius. Well, Delray knew because it was the Delray panel. Mm-hmm. Um, going hey, back have to you guys heard his um his ideas for episode nine his treatment um mm. i just know what he said about his uh, force awakens novelization what they forced him to cut out and i know he wrote a fan fictiony screenplay thing yeah with where ray was a cyborg hmm and didn't know it, and that's why she could communicate with droids, because that irritated the shit out of him. It's like, why does she understand R2-D2 and BB-8? And he was trying to think logically when writing the Force Awakens novelization. He was like, okay, there's probably going to be a romance between these characters, and he wanted to explain Starkiller Base because it's a fucking retarded concept, more or less. That's what he said. It made no sense, is what he... it literally, when he got the what they described it as, he said, this makes no sense how this would even work. And so he, like, literally went and studied black holes 
<laughs> and and stuff and like like went all uh, interstellar on it and like tried to figure out how because it goes into detail on how Starkiller Base works. It's the this, best part of the book. This honestly makes me kind of want to reread his novelization of Force Unleashed, uh, Force Force Awakens, um, just to see how hard he tries to save it. It's it's so interesting having read so many novelizations. I feel so bad sometimes because it's like I can tell you are trying so hard to make this work, but it's well, just not going to work. I'm so sorry. The script you were given was terrible. Well, the thing is, a great novelization writer will be able to write around it. David Morell's Rambo books is the Rambo sequels mm-hmm. are so much better than the films. Like, it takes a certain type of author to really understand and be able to write around a bad script. And Alan Dean Foster, he's written so many of them. Not all of his novelizations are great, I'm not saying that, but sometimes he really can nail down a a screenplay and what needs to be there and what he can add to it to make it work better. Um, like his novelization for Alien is fantastic. Mm-hmm. His novelization for The Thing? I've never read that because it's really hard to find in the US. Mm. Um, it's good. I mean, I, I like The Force Awakens novel. The only thing I don't like is he kind of gave up um, while writing it. And the last, from Han Solo's death to the end is 10 pages. Really? Yeah, it's really short. Oh, now I have to reread it. Yeah. Unlike The Rise of Skywalker, where they claimed that it was an expanded edition and it was just as long as The Force Awakens. But that had stupid crap like Leia doing a no-hand handstand. Hmm. And um, I, that, that's the big one. Oh, that she like talked to Yoda... Through the Force, I think, is in that. And he, she talks to Obi-Wan and Anakin. Okay, why would she talk to Yoda and Obi-Wan? I understand Anakin, but why the other two? Because that's dumb. And because, I guess because Yoda showed up as a Force ghost in The Last Jedi. Hmm. Which, what, I always wondered, that was a problem I had with Last Jedi. I know why they chose Yoda. It was to surprise Mark Hamill because he was fucking miserable making that movie. And they wanted Frank... He and Frank Oz became really good friends during Empire. There's a great scene in the making of where, like, it's... Frank Oz shows up on set and they have the Yoda puppet and stuff. And that's adorable, but, like... I don't know. I always thought it should have been Anakin. Hmm. I think that would have worked better. And get some prequel fan service in there with Hayden. But they work at J.J. Abrams and who Ryan Johnson would have never allowed that. Yeah. Uh, especially J.J. Abrams wouldn't have allowed that because prequels can't exist. Yeah. Instead, we got a shitty-looking Yoda puppet. Which not as shitty as the Phantom Menace Yoda puppet. I was actually oh, gonna say, is it better or worse? Because I'm legitimately not sure. It's I'm, better, I'm not by sure. much, but it's better. I'm not sure. They're both really bad. 
Yeah, but they're both half-assed. I don't know. The one in Last Jedi looks like a replica you would sell at a store, if that makes sense. Yes, but the Yoda one in Phantom Menace just looks weird. Looks it does look weird. I think it's because they try to make him look somewhat younger, which is strange because he's nine hundred anyway, and twenty years is nothing for him. That's why they CG'd over in the re-release. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, that's I don't know. Rise of Skywalker's novelization is horrible. Last I Jedi's think... novelization also horrible, and that's by Jason Fry, and it's still bad. It's a terrible mm. rock paper scissors scene with um, Rose and Finn. Like, yeah, but it's they have different. They have Star Wars names for things. Jesus. Okay. That's in there. There's a whole weird dream sequence in the beginning where Luke's married to Cammy. Oh yeah, I've heard about this because people were theorizing. Because people back then were like, "Oh my god, is this gonna make Mara Jade canon? He had a wife, she died." Blah blah blah. No. No. No, I remember that, and then. Santa McRandall was mad because it wasn't Mara. Do you remember that, Dylan? She should have been happy that it wasn't her. She's just... I don't know. Shannon McRandall is a a unique human being. I like her. I think she's funny. Yeah. And she's been really appreciative of, like, twin sons and stuff. I, I like that she stayed a little vocal during the Disney era. Yeah. Um, Instead of most people who went silent because the House of Mouse is going to destroy their lives. Yeah, like uh, Ewan McGregor hmm. who said nothing until they gave him a show. Or Hayden Christensen. Mm-hmm. Or like, any of the prequel people. I mean, Mark Hamill tried to warn us. There's a 30-minute compilation clip of our compilation of all the times he was like, "Well, <laughs> you see." And then he and then he went back. If I say if I say any more, they're gonna cut off my head and throw it right in my face. Mm-hmm. Uh, my and favorite that, quote of his. No, no, my favorite quote is when he goes on that. Like, it's not a good where he goes in that speech where he's like talking at like, so like a reader where it's like, it's not important if it's a good story. It's important if it makes money. And then he goes oh, on yeah. and out for a while. And he's like, and I just realized that this is being recorded. <laughs> and like, he stopped <laughs> like, wait, doesn't he even compare it to the transformers movies? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's fucking savage. And like, like Harrison Ford didn't care. Yeah. I mean, they direct him out of bed to film a scene in episode nine. You know when he's when he's drunk. Oh and yeah, he's I was a ghost, and he that. talks to Kylo, and he's unshaven, like he looks like shit. Well, yeah, because he was getting ready to film Call of the Wild. Is that be, is that the reason he wasn't clean shaven? Because <laughs> I he was think filming. So. A, I legitimately was thinking face, they didn't want to do the Henry Cavill mustache CG, remember? Like they did the Justice League reshoots. But yeah, I just no. imagined he just refused, like just out of principle. I'm not gonna shave for this. No, God no. What, I'm so worried about the new Indiana Jones movie. Hmm. It's gonna it's, suck. 
Oh yeah. It's going to be bad. When is it coming out? Because he he only signed on to do Force Awakens on the stipulation that they would make an Indiana Jones movie. It's been like seven years. Oh, uh, Pixies joined us. Oh, yes. Oh, this reminds me. um, Someone leaked the trailer for Indy 5. There's one shot in it. It looks like Indy is like flying in the Millennium Falcon. I think it's like a bomber or something from the real world, but it looks like the Millennium Falcon cockpit. I don't know. Do you want to see the picture? I have it right here. Yes. Okay, let me see if I can. It's supposed to come out next year, but they haven't released a title for it yet. What are you doing? Ah, there it is. It's small, but maybe you can see something. Oh, that is peculiar. weird i don't know anyway i think i need to call it there the girlfriend called and your cat uh, is running amok in the background oh they've been run they've been feral it's feral girl hour they've been chasing each other this whole time i'm surprised you haven't heard all the Pull up the cat and, and put in the thumbnail that'll get us like three times the, the views oh no, she's yeah. behind the disc pixie <laughs> pixie's a butthead if I try to pet her, she's gonna swap me. She's it's like having a spicy meatball for a pet. And then the other one just climbs up everything. The other one muted me <laughs> for several minutes while I tried to figure out what oh, she that's did. That's what it was. Yeah, she muted me. The... She climbed on the soundboard. That was almost as good as that one podcast when we were wrapping up, and then I was thanking our wonderful sponsor, Comcast, and then my internet cut out. Yeah, that was a good one. That sounds great. I don't have Comcast anymore. I'm surprised my internet hasn't crashed yet. It's a miracle. Well, because we aren't filming the Dune podcast. Mm-hmm. It all especially does it every time we do the Dune podcast. Yeah, maybe it's a sign. Yeah, I was thinking that while we were reviewing Dune Messiah, like maybe we shouldn't. We'll see. Well, there's the other one. No. No. Okay. Well, thank you all for joining us. I have to wrangle some cats. I'll see you guys later. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.